Hello and welcome to today's edition of Chapter by Chapter for Dune. I am your host, Will Cowan. With me is my good friend and co-host, Steve. Hello, everybody. Hello, Will. How are you? I'm good. Uh, I'm gl- We made it through our first week. It's like, another week. We made it through the first week. You know what that means. Week two, baby. This is week two. This is, week. this is week two. <laughs> this is like a week, everyone. Of like, how many weeks do you think we have ahead of us here? Like... 40 <laughs> well there's 40 chapters so it's not 40 weeks will that's just silly i don't want to do the quick math i don't want to do the quick math on that on how many no so i'm gonna say i don't know six weeks yeah that's that's not bad uh yeah we made it through this first week um it was a lot to take in and i've said it before already like i i we we're biting off a lot with Dune, and especially, like, it, it's just I'm trying hungry, to though. explain it. I'll take a big bite of any worms, any big old, I'll, sand, I'll eat sand. I'll, I'll give it to me. I'll but eat any of it. There's so much, you get so much, uh, like, reward when you finally dive into this shit. Like, when you really start looking at the nuances of these chapters, at least for me as a second go around, I'm just, I'm loving this. Like, this is so cool, just kind of actually, like, pour through these pages literally like one by one and just talk about them and just like and just stretch them out and see what's going on because there's so much that you forget after your uh first reading and i only done the one so in between my first reading and this one there's a lot of like little scenes that like i don't remember and this is one of those scenes this is one of the, one of those great scenes well i feel like i'm doing my first and second reading at the same time really because I usually reread these chapters, so yeah. And I'm, and at this point, I'm planning on going back soon. I'm planning on going back Dune and reading the first going back Dune, the whole first up That's, to where we are, like six. Where are we today? Six. Yeah, today's six. Chapter six. Uh, you inadvertently just named the chapter there. Going back Dune. <laughs> going back Dune. Chapter six. So. Before we get into it, let's start off with our chapter introduction. Who's 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 doing in this one? Uh, I'm doing in this one because you did the uh, the last chapter last week was uh, the Doctor UA. Oh yes, uh, that dictionary fun dictionary one entry. UA. Don't <laughs> M- listen. MD. Don't make fun of me. <laughs> I'm doing my best. All right. Oh, I, I'm 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 giving you I'm I'm giving you love. It was beautiful. Mm. It was beautiful. All right. All right. <clears throat> How do we approach the study of Muad'Dib's father? A man of surpassing warmth and surprising coldness was the Duke Leto Atreides. Yet many facts opened the way to this duke. His abiding love for his Bene Gesserit lady, the dreams he held for his son, the devotion which men served him. You see him there, a man sp- snared by destiny, a lonely figure with, with his, his light dimmed behind the glory of his son. Still, one must asks, ask, what is the son but an extension of the father? From Muad'Dib, Family Commentaries by the Princess Irulan. Family Commentaries. This is a book talking shit about his whole family? Irulan's got like a whole library of books ready Who to go is about Muad'Dib. is what I want to know. And she, why is she so sassy? Why is she coming uh, at everyone? I don't know if I want so to tell hot. you because I, I feel like it's I feel like it might yeah, be. Yeah, don't tell a me. Spoiler. That's a rhetorical question. Yeah, don't nah, spoil I'm not going to book tell you. for me, Will. 
I'm not going to do that. But I, I like this chapter entry because like this, is, we've heard a lot about Duke Leto. And we, you and I have talked a lot about Duke Leto already. So we have, and we also said we were going to call him Leto. Sorry, but no, but the audiobook, I listened to some of the audiobook, and they call him Leto. It's tough. So I think we go by that. I think we go by Leto, Jared Leto. It's tough because everybody that I I talk to or hear speak about Dune, everybody has their own uh, interpretation of how to say these words. Like I, for Harkonnens. Like you hear Harkonnens or Harkonnens. Listen, like when I read o. Harry Potter, I called Hermione Hermione. All right, <laughs> doesn't mean it was correct. Doesn't mean it was okay. Yeah, and you know it's not okay. <laughs> Harry Potter in general, I'm saying it. You're saying it. Yep. No. Uh, actually, I think the the going uh, consensus right now is that Harry Potter has no author. It is now just a exactly. collection. It is just a collection of books that just have existed. Since written 96. by a ghost, written by a ghost. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that that chapter introduction really frames this whole chapter for us, and we get to finally meet Duke Leto Atreides. And I gotta say, like, this is so cool. This chapter and how you get to see the the four D chess game being played between uh, Duke it's Leto, Father Son Chess, Father Son Chess, but also. Harkin and Atreides chess. But they're on the same team. So like... Leto's the king and Paul is the queen. How about that? (laughs) Uh, That actually is kind of apt because Paul with his abilities, I think, would be uh, jumping around that chessboard like crazy motherfucker. That's what I'm talking about. That's all I meant. Yeah. (laughs) So, like I said, like... Duke Leto's coming in here kind of uh, also like this is following the long string of like we said this last week, like his father figures. So we've seen how it, we've seen Yui, we've seen Gurney. And finally, we get yeah. the father figure. We had the parade the of dads. <laughs> the gathering of the dads. The gathering Dad of the stock. dads. And the fact that they're all just like showing up at his training room is crazy. Like <clears throat> he, Paul so, hasn't well, had guess, to do anything. I guess Leto must have told them, right? <laughs> It must have been like, all right, you, Hallway, ha- you are at uh, one fifteen. Then we're gonna need you promptly out of there at uh, one forty. And we got uh, Gurney coming in. All right, Gurney's scheduled though too, but he always goes past. So like, give him like we we book the next one at two fifteen, and that's when UA is coming. All right. Yeah, and knowing UA, he can probably uh, get that done in fifteen minutes, in and out. I trust that guy for that. Exactly. And then I'll come in. Leto. Yeah. That's him talking. <laughs> He's like, I come in at uh, four. <laughs> Gonna give him a little talking to. Um, yeah. And this conversation is, you get a little bit more of a feel for the universe. And... Feel for the universe, the 4D chess game that Atreides and Harkonnens are playing, and a little bit of the the future for Paul, like what what Paul is destined to to become. So let's get into it. So the first thing I want to talk about is how Duke Leto is playing the chess game against the Harkonnens, because he's revealed in this chapter that he kind of already knows the plan to the Harkonnens, like why they're going to Arrakis. Uh, the Spice. other players, inv- 
Yeah, well, and the other players involved with the reason why they're going to Arrakis and why they're going to Arrakis in the first... Like, why they're still going into this trap, even though also Duke Leto knows it. Also spice. So much spice. The answer to most questions in Dune is, I'm learning, is spice. But I did like when Leto was saying, he was like, yeah, we know that that Har- Harkonnens have all the spice. And that's cool. But I want to know who else has spice. Because we know that they got the spice over there. But who's got the spice over there? Who's got the spice? Who's got that spice? And who's got the spice yes. over there? And who's got that spice? Well, that conversation, to f- to frame it, is uh, because they're going to Arrakis, Duke Leto kind of knows that the Harkonnens' plan is to uh, destroy the name of the Atreides through having them become off as a failure through the uh, ownership of, of Arrakis. Because when the spice doesn't flow when the spice is not getting out to the other planets, then the rest of that great houses in the lands rad, or even among the minor houses who look up to Duke, uh, Duke Leto, they're going to, they're going to not trust them so much. And maybe even hate them because everybody wants spice, right? I want some right now. Get the spice in. Yeah. I want spice. Like jalapenos. legal. I'll take a jalapeno. Yes. It is. (laughs) Yeah. hundred percent legal. Gotcha. So there's a whole economy ba- built um, around spice. Absolutely. Uh, the economy is built like I realized there was, but I thought it might have been like a black spice market. I'm it's sure not. there is. I'm sure there is well, yeah, some sort of black That black would just market. be the black spice market. Where that's the cheaper <laughs> spice. It's not as good, though. It's never it's as good. Cut it's with, usually cut It's with cut sand. with, like, sand. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's cut with sand for sure. Oh, so good. Um, so like I said, yeah, so Duke Leto, through his conversation with Paul here, he reveals that he knows the Harkonnen plans, even though he's just kind of make, making educated guesses of what's what's really going on. Like I said, it's to dishevel the he's name. He's confident about those guesses. But if you remember back at chapter two, these are pretty accurate. I think the only thing that Duke Leto doesn't have sussed out at this point in one way or another is Yui's the actual size of the Baron. (laughs) It's the only thing he doesn't. No one ever sees that coming. I mean, I didn't see that coming. (laughs) Just their first introduction, you just go, Jesus. I was not expecting that. Do you think they send like uh, video chats to each other? Like when they're. when they're uh, beefing with each other, I guess not because we saw in that chapter two that like they send letters. Well, there's to not each computers other. and stuff, so no, I no, no. So and like yeah, like I said earlier, like chapter two, they there was a letter, they got a note. So it's interesting how like analog and futuristic this world is. You know, it just like kind of picks and chooses. Wh- picks and chooses where to do the sci-fi shit even though we last chapter we got like a page and a half description of how a book works which is like a teeny tiny little book um (laughs) but yes you were saying that the only thing that he doesn't the leto doesn't know is ua's involvement yeah nobody knows ua's involvement he's deep cover he's deep cover super deep cover but everything he says here like Leto seems to know exactly kind of what's going to happen. And the big thing that I think 
to take away from this isn't just the Harkonnen's involvement in the reason why they're going to Arrakis. It's also the Padishah Emperor's involvement. Even though like the Padishah Emperor is going to do his best to kind of remain in the shadows of this, like not being shown to the public that he's behind the Atreides betrayal or anything like that. But Duke Leto believes this. He he knows the Padishah Emperor is doing this. And listen, we've learned that an emperor doesn't need to even be in the story. You can just bring him in in the last part and be like, here's the emperor. And everyone will be cool with that. No, no, nobody's going to cool with that. No, they won't. <laughs> Turns out actually no one's cool <laughs> This is a, it's kind of, there's a little brief point in this conversation that he has with Paul. And it's ref, it's referring to how the great houses would react to Leto failing as like, the the trome directorship and like the keeping the spice flowing if leto fails at that the lands red houses might turn against him and paul asks like you mean like using family family atomics or using atomics yeah using atomics he says like nukes yeah like nukes and leto says something along the lines of people shield belts anyways you don't even need nukes yeah you don't need them but it's kind of interesting. So, like, Leto says no uh, because the great conventions would uh, – nobody would go against the great conventions in that way. I think there's, like, a, there's an understanding between the houses to follow conventions. It's, like, a pretty heinous war crime. Exactly. Yeah. So, I actually went and dug into the great conventions to see what I can tell you without spoiling anything. And there's actually a lot that I can tell you. But tell me. I've, I've, I've broken – I've boiled it down to its essential elements. After the Butlerian Jihad, uh, all the great families and houses and nations, I guess, all formed the great conventions. And it's essentially to preserve human life. In lack of a better term, the Dune universe values human life above everything else. It's super, super, super important to preserve life. And so they had to change how warfare was fought in turn to protect human life warfare can still exist but it has to fit into these great conventions and i believe in the second chapter we talked a little bit about canley uh and what canley is i originally thought canley was like a formal type of vendetta but it's actually like it's a type of warfare i don't remember how fam we talked about it like i don't know like 10 seconds of it not really anything about it but it's a type of warfare that only family houses do to do to each other and the population of their planet planets aren't involved because you need the population uh you need the population of your planets to be creating the resources that are on the planet whatever your business of, of the planet is you know yeah so you don't want to be killing your workforce but warfare happens, and families try to fuck each other over. Can I ask you a question so about the planets? So to do this... Are they, like... Are all the planets, like... Like, we got sand planet. Is there, like, water planet? Yeah. Is there, like, tree planet? Yeah, I think so. And then those are, like, their commodities? Like, tree like tree planets got the wood. Water planets got the water. Yeah. And the like, crabs, maybe. So maybe some prawn. I don't know. Prawn. And, uh... No, I'm with you. Uh, snow planet. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna say sure. Like, uh, the here's the thing about Dune. We don't really do a lot of planet hopping 
in in this series. Well, I, I mean, it makes sense, I guess, because the series is called Dune. There's a planet called Dune. You guess he, it makes sense he'd stay on that on Dune title planet. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the thing that I kind of miss about, or not miss. Uh, I wish Dune kind of had was a little bit of the more common folk on different planets. You know, like see what their perspective on the Dune events books, are. Know. But we really the one where they're just traveling around. That's true. Dune on the move. Yeah, they're just like, you know, <laughs> and they're just hanging out with like different people. It's like humans of New York, but like it's just humans of you know the Dune universe and just like, people hanging out on Caladan with like Is there a, a farmer name for the galaxy that Dune's in. No, I, as far as I'm concerned, I don't know. Probably not. I think they stretch across different galaxies. There's not like any. I think everything's in the Milky Way. But I don't think uh, it's all in one. Oh, honestly, I don't know. How do stars work? I don't know how that Weird works. Weird ass uh, real questions. How big does right? it get? How do stars work? I see them up there in the sky. I see them every night. Who's powering? What's powering them? You know? Either a bunch of tiny lights, <laughs> Christmas lights, maybe. Little LEDs. So the so this is how the uh the fam how houses uh, conduct warfare with each other i think they also have another term called the war of called war of assassins where they just send assassins to each other <laughs> but it's to ultimately protect who the, can assassin the other person first <laughs> with hired assassins go <laughs> that's what it is i'm not joking that's Call what up it an is assassin <laughs> and uh his name's like billy nine knives and you're like billy you're my boy i need you he's like listen i was just booked to kill you i was hired Kill you, man. Assassins are in hot demand. That's they're they're like the they are the foot soldiers for family warfare. Uh, so I think that's really cool that um, warfare is not taking part in like taking part. Why wouldn't you just kill all the assassins? general populations of, and then be like and then keep one for yourself. Keep old nine knives in your pocket and then uh, kill them all. Kill all the rest. <laughs> Hire other assassins to kill all the assassins. Then challenge the Baron to assassin on assassin war. What is it called? Uh, war of assassin. War of assassin. Challenge him to war of assassin. <laughs> he can't. He can't even find one because they're all sold out and or dead. <laughs> and then you, Nine Nines gets in there. Bing bang boom. End of Dune. End of Dune. He got it. Um, no, they're not going to do that. How many assassins do you think they are? There are. I don't know. And I guarantee you there's always going to be somebody. Uh, <laughs> there's just a. Actually, it's all the guys that were on the uh, the the bridge in Empire Strikes Back. We've you got, got Zuckus. IG-88. Yep. We got uh, Dengar. Dengar's there. Yep. <laughs> you got. Dengar is like. Dengar's a Fremen. I, I see Dengar. Dengar's Fremen's a Fremen. Fremen's wizards? Oh wait, no, that's uh, that's the lizard guy. Oh, that's that's boss. That's Nask. boss. That's boss Nask. <laughs> yeah. Yes, boss, boss Nask. Nask. And then you also got uh, four four Lom and Zuckus, right? I know my, I know them. I know my guys. Oh yeah, bounty hunters. <laughs> and they're the only ones in employ across both universes. Both the Star Wars and Dune universe. Yeah, and half of them are. I mean, at least they got dead. work. <laughs> In canon, at least. Actually, I guess maybe not. Boss is probably still alive. He's a lizard. 
Dengar's dead. Yeah, that guy's got... Dengar's so yeah, dead. Yeah. Outside of the convention, so you kind of understand how the conventions work. Oh, I didn't even get into the Atomics. The ato- the part of the conventions is that no family can use nuclear weapons on each other for the specific reason that I've already talked about, which is they value human life. So uh, they have their own atomic weapons, but I think that's just held for an alien threat. Like in case an alien. It's like, species- uh, it's like North Korea. <laughs> what? It's the exact same thing. It is because North Korea has a bunch of nukes. So everyone else has to have nukes. And the only reason that North Korea is, that nobody attacks North North Korea, beside aside from their allegiances, is all these nukes. So we all just have nukes for the for the sake of North Korea. I mean, here's the thing: I really don't know what I'm talking about, but yeah, <laughs> North Korea's got nukes, so everyone else has nukes. It's the same thing. But yeah, uh, you're nailing it. Uh, no, wait, I don't think maybe uh, I. You you're losing me with North Korea. If everybody had nukes to North fight Korea off alien is the race, alien race, then then you have ah, uh, cut that out. I can't. Oh, okay. <laughs> I can't say. I can't just put me on the internet saying North Korea is an alien race. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we gotta say this for that sweet Patreon. <laughs> That's where you can find me comparing North Koreans to aliens. <laughs> oh, so bizarre. North okay. Korea does have a lot of nukes, though. I'm telling you, if you didn't know that, you better be look. You better be. Re- I didn't know that. You better. Be- you didn't. Well, I know that they they. I know they fire missiles all the time, but they always end up in the water. They just don't know how to direct them anyway. Yeah, those are missiles, though. Those aren't nukes. They're purposely doing that to show that they well, could send a nuke over. And they go, "Oops." Really? I didn't mean okay. to do that. There's a test. <laughs> ah, it just landed in the water. Uh oh. So. Yeah, that's the conventions in terms of warfare. Now, the reason why Duke Leto is going into Arrakis is because he believes the Fremen will help him defeat the threat that is the Emperor and his Sardaukar and also the uh, the Harkonnens. The reason because the reason being is that. Rumor is is that the Sardaukar are trained on a planet called Seleucus Secundus, yep. and that's like a prison planet, and it's like a full-on fucking hellscape. Like it's like rocks and mountains, and it's not. It is not fun to live in. However, because of how treacherous the landscape is and how the life is on Seleucus Secundus, <laughs> it breeds. You know, like that Seleucus Secundus? Uh, uh, I knew someone in high school who was really. They're really into Seleucus Secundus. <laughs> Those are my thing. <laughs> but, you, know, you live and you learn. Seleucus Secundus. Okay, Seleucus Secundus sounds like a uh, Slytherin, you know, spell or something like that. It sounds like something like uh, out of Chamber of Secrets. You know what I mean? When, uh, what's his name is talking it's, to the snake? It, it kind of does. Harry Potter. Yeah. It sounds... Yeah, you put a snake... You know, Seleucus Put a, a snake Secundus. spin on it. Put a snake spin on it. So, because of this reasoning uh, that the uh, Sardaukar are bred on Seleucus Secundus and trained on Seleucus Secundus and tr- and even like picked from prisoners that are on Keep Seleucus Secundus. Say it nine more times. Seleucus Secundus. Seleucus Secundus. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> what a name. 
So because of that, he's making the comparison between the Fremen and their planet Arrakis and how treacherous that landscape is. And he believes that if he can just spend the money to equip them properly, train them, organize them a little bit, he would have a fighting force equal to the Sardaukar, if not better. And that, I think, is that is why he's going to Dune, is to forge his army because he knows the trap. He knows the walls are closing in on him. He sees it happening, and there's nothing he can do. So the the strategy is to move to Arrakis, play their game, and try and militarize the native people morph of the, the Fremen into their fighting force, and bring them into involve them in in your war. I don't like this. I don't like what Leto's up to. Doesn't sound good. Nor does it sound like it's going to work at all. Just saying. Well, he's he's trying to he's playing it smart. So he sent um, Duncan Idaho down there, and I think Gurney's with him to, or not? Maybe it's just Duncan, but to strike a relationship up with the Fremen, observe their culture, see what their values are, and see where the opportunity lies in terms of manipulating them and for their cause. I think Duke Leto, like, you're right. It is kind of a shitty thing to do. And that's the thing about Dune is, like, nobody's really a good character. Everybody's kind of fuck, fucking each other over in one way or another. But I think Duke Leto was trying to see how he can help the Fremen, like, how he can adapt to their culture so that they can also find loyalty to him, which is a smart yeah. tactic to play. I mean, I don't think it's that smart, considering that the 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 the, the future seer has said that he's fucked and he's going to die and he's going to lose the planet. So it sounds like his plan's probably not going to work. I yeah. don't know; it might work. It sounds like it's probably not going to work. Well, it's it might not work. I think he knows that too. I think he, even in the earlier bits of this chapter, uh, Leto says that like he knows of what's going to happen. Cause I think Paul was trying to keep it in. He's like, he's like, I can't understand why I can't tell him what, uh, mm-hmm. guys, Helm Hyam has told me, but Duke Leto, I think like, is like, no, I know. I know what's what she says, but I'm doing it anyways, he's doing it anyways. Well, what else do you do? Like somebody tells you you're, you're going to die in the future and you just like challenge them to assassin off Isaac assassin off. So yeah, this is a definitely like a delicate pl- a delicate game that Leto is playing, and it, like you said, it doesn't look good to, for him because Guys Helmaheim has said you're not making it out of this. So I think he's playing the best card that he has, and that's the Fremen. Fremen card, the Fremen card. Now we get a little bit of a uh, talk about the Spacing Guild and just the Highliner, like there are huge ships and how the uh highliners operate is that they're so big that the atreides family and all like all their stuff will fit into a small corner of the hold like in in inside the the highliner and they won't be able to leave uh because it's part of the spacing guild's rules that if maybe there's like harkonnens on the on the highliner as well like it's the it's for everybody's protection and to keep the spacing guild neutral in those in those events and they're incredibly private we hear like a little bit about the the guildsmen 
And the guildsmen, like we, know that we don't know guildsmen. what they look like. This is there's only like it's a about all we this know. little brief. Yeah, they're like the ones that they're the ones that pilot the pilot the ships across space. But the fact is, is that they take a certain amount of. I don't know if it says about spice, but they they have so many mutations to them that they don't look human anymore, even though they are human. So they've got like a little bit of a. And one guy's got eight fingers on one hand. We. He's like, don't don't worry about it. Did you ever? Did you did did you get over to the uh, Dune movie over the weekend, or did you never got around to it? No, I haven't got there yet. I've been living in my own Dune okay. movie. Whatever that means. <laughs> Whatever that means. Still not sleeping well. <laughs> just, just sweaty fever dreams for weeks. Waking up in the middle of the night thinking about Dune. Tell me my life. I live it. (laughs) The final thing that happens in this chapter, I think that's worth mentioning, is that Duke Leto reveals to Paul that throughout his entire life, he's been training to be a Mentat. Oh, yeah. He's like, I'm pretty sure you're a Mentat, which means he's a robot, right? I knew it. (laughs) Well, I love the, uh, the conversation that they have because... Paul says, well, what do you mean I'm supposed to be a mentat? Like, isn't the training supposed to take place when I was really, really young? And then, like, a sentence is like, and then all the memories came to him in one computation. And he was like, oh, I guess I have been training. Oh, turns out I am a mentat. But, like, like, but here's the thing. Like, it's mentioned that Jessica has been training him to be a mentat. But... Wouldn't Thufir also kind of have a hand in training him to be a Mintat? And like, wouldn't wouldn't Paul be a little smarter to know when he's being trained to be a Mintat? But does Thufir know? You know what I mean, that he's a Mintat. I don't know if Thufir knows. I don't think Thufir knows. Well, Paul's not a Mintat yet, but he's got he's got he, it in him. He's got the touch. Yeah. Um. And Duke Leto asked Paul, like, if you want, we can continue with the training. And Paul's like immediately, like, I'm di- I'm doing the training. And he th- and there's like a little bit of like wondering to Paul to himself. He's like, maybe this is supposed to be my terrible purpose. Like, this is what I've been thinking of. Like, is becoming a mentat that's my terrible purpose. Yeah. I don't think so. But why not? I don't think so. Probably not. Probably gonna kill your dad. <laughs> gonna kill your dad somehow. I don't know. And it's gonna it's be. Gonna be gonna it be is sad. gonna be a mess. Good thing you've it got is. nine other dads. Oh, ready to go. Ready to go. They're just outside the door. They're they waiting. got appointments. They got appointments, right. and you know they'll be here, ready to go, ready to, ready to dad. Yeah. Uh, and that wraps up chapter six. There for you, Steve. Uh, any questions? Anything that you'd like to a little bit clarification on? No, I mean I'm a little bit more on track now, and uh, I mean yeah. at, at, at the end of the episode, I think I, if I don't, if I didn't get it from my first or second read on the chapter, but by, by the time we get to the end of our episode, I've usually got it. This time, I mean this is just Papa Sunny talking. Boop boop boop. I got this one. This is another one in the. This is another worm in the books. Well, cool, everyone, cool, cool, cool. that's it for today. It's been, today's, is, you know, it's been nice. And everyone, you know, whatever you're doing, starting out your week, 
Mondays, you know, I hate Mondays. So it's just like Garfield. We all hate Mondays. We all hate them. Garfield taught us, and I live by it. But hey, I want you to go into your spice cabinet, get your strongest spice, take a little bit of it, put a little bit on the tip of your tongue, put a little bit in your nose, and just boop, boop, boop. That'll wake you up. Make you feel ready to go, okay? And I want you spiced up and alert and ready to go and back here tomorrow for Chapter 7 of Dude.